Um, I'm just going to invite um, our preachers, plural today. Um, Luke and Sarah, do you want to come down the front? They're going to preach. They're going to help us as we carry on our, um, our sermon series in the Song of Songs. But I'm just going to pray for them um, before they go. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, um, Lord, for this wonderful couple, Lord. We thank you for the incredible example that they are um, of life and godliness. And Lord, we do just pray that you would really use them um, this morning. Lord, we pray that you would speak through them. Lord, we pray that your word, um, Lord, just would pierce us to the heart. Um, Lord, as we open our ears, open our hearts, open our lives up to you um, and what you have to say to us this morning. So Lord, we pray um, really be with them, fill them with your spirit, um, equip them, uh, Lord, to be able to just impart wisdom and truth, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Rich. Seamless. Good morning. How is everyone? Yeah? Well, we are Luke and Sarah, the Ellis's. We've been part of Rev for, oh, about nearly 10 years now in the summer. Um, we got married seven years ago, and we've got a little daughter now, so we're really learning what it is to do life here. We love it, and we hope that we can encourage you this morning. Just We've been so encouraged just by the things that God is bringing, bringing to light this morning. Um, David, who brought shared a scripture, and Rose would have had no idea what we're about to speak on, but I trust that the Holy Spirit is working, and it's really encouraged us before we've even got going. So... Um, yeah, so this is, for those who don't know, we're looking through the Song of Solomon, which is a book which is pretty much falls in the middle of your Bibles. It's a book by, it's a poem, basically, between two lovers and their delight between each other and them wanting to be with each other and how they express that. And, um, but for centuries, theologians have also read this as not only this beautiful poem between two lovers, but as a picture of Christ and his love for the church. Um, and it's beautiful when you read it in that light, that it just brings it to life in a completely... Uh, wonderful way that we've been so encouraged by and I'm sure as we've been going through it over these last few weeks and will continue to do that you will be so encouraged by. Um, so the passage we're going to be looking at today, um, if you've got it in your Bibles, it's going to be uh, Song of Solomon, it's going to be chapter 2 verses 8 to 17. It's going to come up on the screen behind so you can follow along. Um, and to be honest, this is, the book really springs to life here, literally springs to life as you'll see. Um, but we're going to read it and um, then I'll pray and then we'll crack on. Right, so I'm going to do the voice of the woman. Um, The voice of my beloved, behold, he comes, leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. My beloved speaks and says to me, Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. For behold, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, the time of singing has come, and the voice of the turtle dove is heard in our land. The fig tree ripens its figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth fragrance. Arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. On my dove, in the clefts of the rock, in the crannies of the cliff, let me see your face, let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet, and your face is lovely. Catch the foxes for us, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards. For our vineyards are in blossom. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He grazes among the lilies until the day breathes and the shadows flee. Turn, my beloved, be like a gazelle or a young stag on cleft mountains. <laughs> Let me pray for us, and then we'll crack on. So, Lord, I thank you. Thank you that you are here with us, Lord. I thank you that even this morning, as we've been able to gather and remind ourselves of who you are and praise you, Lord, it just all points to 
calling, our call, your call and our response, Lord. And I pray, Lord, you'd help Sarah and I to communicate really clearly this morning as we open up this beautiful bit of scripture and uh, help us apply it to our lives. We love you, Lord. It's all for your glory. Amen. Amen. So Sarah's going to take us. Sarah's going to come back later, which you should all be very excited for. <laughs> she's on fire. We were practicing, and she's just like welling up with the Holy Spirit. So it's going to be great. Um, <laughs> so we've called this sermon uh, "God Calls." What's our response? And we're pretty much going to be working through this passage verse by verse. You have to follow it on the screen and looking at how the different image, dissecting the imagery and looking at how that can impact us. So we're just going to get straight stuck in. Um, just because there's so much we want to get through and cover. We, we could have done about six different sermons on this because there's just, it's so rich. So we're sort of doing a whistle-stop tour that you can sort of then go back and engage with uh, later on. So first off, verses 8 and 9. I love the language used here to describe how the beloved uh, comes to his bride. She hears him before she sees him. And when she does, he's leaping and bounding like a gazelle or a young stag. It's, it's full of energy and it's full of excitement. Mountains and hills are simply bounded over. I can't bound over mountains and hills, but, but this is describing that. And she describes him like a gazelle or a stag. And I'm sure most of us have seen Planet Earth or nature documentaries. You know when you see like those herds of gazelles or stags? It's like they just glide. It's effortless the way they move across the plains, move across the mountains. Humans can't really do that. So I love it that the way they describe it. Um, and it's a wonderful picture of these lovers coming together. And the beloved being so excited to see his bride. This is, this is the man excited and coming towards his bride. And when we look at this in terms of Christ and his love for the church, it brings in a wonderful image for us to enjoy. We're, we're very accustomed to, seeing, to speaking of Jesus' tenderness and his gentleness and his compassion. But to read this, we see so many other facets of who he is. We see him full of energy and strength powerful and majestic like a stag you know I mean you see stags they've got the great antlers and they look you just wouldn't mess with them and that's what we see Jesus portrayed like here someone who literally leaps and bounds over obstacles to get to his lover we read in Colossians 2 verses 13 to 15 it says and you who were dead in your trespasses God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us this he set aside nailing it to the cross This is from the New Testament. It's speaking of Jesus overcoming death and sin for us. And I just want to pause there because we can be so accustomed when we've been in Christian circles long enough of saying Jesus overcame death and sin for us. But when you think, when you just actually pause to reflect on that, we will spend eternity with Jesus. There will not be... There will not be an eternal death. We will get to spend a life with him. He has defeated our sin. It's unbelievable. Jesus has dealt with the mountain of our sin. Now, if you were to write up the sins you do on a daily basis, it would quickly accumulate, wouldn't it? You would be, oh, okay, this is quite a big deal. And Jesus has done that. Our sin, this is our mountain of sin that would have separated us from him for eternity. He's overcome it. And easily, do you know what I mean? Easily, these gazelles just bound across the mountain. He has done it easily. And he's done it because he loves us and he longs to be with us. And what's beautiful in this next part of the passage is, and I think it's really worth noting, because he comes with all this energy and full of excitement, longing to be. And then it says, behold, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, looking through the lattice. After this full of energy, this pulsating start, he then he stands, he gazes, he looks, he waits. It's a wonderful thing of showing respect and honor of her. He doesn't force himself into his presence. That's what Jesus does with us. He, he, he presents himself to us, but he doesn't force us into relationship. He longs for us to be in relationship. 
And then continues into verse 10, he says, he then invites her. He says, arise, my love, my beautiful one, and come away. That's Jesus' call to us. This is the, the, the husband's call to the bride. And this is actually the first invitation in Song of Song we actually see from the, the bridegroom to the bride. And we now get to see in this part her response. And he's calling her out. He says, come away. And he doesn't ask her to stay where she is, but he asks her to move, change her state. And I find that I'm hard to imagine that when he does this, she wouldn't change where she was at. I know that if I came running down our street, bounding into our flat and said, Sarah, come, come. She's not going to go, oh, I'm not sure about that. Not sure about that. <laughs> she might defend it. <laughs> In some context, she might be like, what is he on about? But, but she would come because she knows me. She trusts me. She doesn't always need to know where I'm saying come because she trusts me. And she trusts that I won't put her in harm's way. One of the promises of God to his people, it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. When God says to us, come, we don't always need to know the full explanation of where we're going. We don't need to fear because we can trust him. We can completely trust him because he loves us. And what, what I think is worth noting, and this is what David and Rose were speaking about in terms of this winter. David's beautiful picture of the winter trees. He's stolen some of my thunder, but it's beautiful because the Holy Spirit's at work. But he's calling her to arise because winter has passed. Winter, as we are now, still in winter. <laughs> Feels like it's never going to pass. This beast from the east keeps coming back. <laughs> but winter has so many connotations of darkness and cold and us wanting to hide away somewhere and having lots of mashed potato and things like that. You do, though. You wouldn't have loads of mashed potato in the summer, would you? Maybe. All right, fine. All right, maybe it's just me. But, and then, but what happens after winter is what's beautiful is you get this spring, new life and light and warmth. And we might go outside without our jumpers on or might not think about putting thermal socks on or not look forward to being packed on a tube because it's going to be warmer than outside. Today, the clocks have changed and it still feels like winter outside. But we will notice over the next few weeks Suddenly, we'll all start coming to church. We won't have our scarves on and our big winter coats. Because, and we wouldn't have all decided, right, today is not the winter coat day. We would just notice that the warmth and the change in the season that it brings. And I think, and that's something I'd love to just focus on a little bit, this idea of we can read so many different things into winter, but I think something that's really appropriate for us to look at this winter being passed is the seasons of life we face. As Christians... I'm sure many in this room have experienced seasons of what feels like winter and what feels like this is dark and this is cold and I don't feel God in this. But we must remember that it's only a season. We see it. We will literally see it in the next few weeks, winter pass, and we see it every year. What David was mentioning about this beautiful thing coming back into blossom every year, it stands as test of time. It, winter passes. Sarah and I, we've known seasons of winter. We, we couldn't put our finger on when it passed but we can tell you we're not in winter at the moment. But you could have asked us a few years ago and a few years before that. We have definitely felt seasons of winter. And it's this thing that it does pass. I can assure you that it does pass. It's not, <laughs> it might feel hard, and it, it is hard. I don't want to acknowledge, I don't want to not say that, because winter is hard. It's tough, it's sad, it's painful, but it does pass. And there's a beautiful call as the beloved comes to his bride, and he says, Arise. We must be prepared to change our attitude. For example, if I said to Rich now, if I said arise and he didn't, it's like a, actually, he's like disobeying me. He doesn't need to obey me because 
Rich doesn't have to obey my commands. But, <laughs> but it's that thing of, if I said arise, I'm calling him to do something. There's a response that which would need to do. And that's what God's talk, calling us to do. He's saying, arise, my beloved. And it doesn't mean that her situation has changed. And it doesn't mean necessarily in that moment her attitude to, to it has changed. But there is a call to go, okay, I'm going to arise. I'm going to lift my head. Because not of because who we are or what the situation we face is, but because of who God is and who we can trust him to be because of what he's done for us. The stag who leaps and bounds and comes towards us and waits and calls us out. That's who we're putting our trust in. That's who's saying arise. And we go, wow. God has overcome so much for us. And our responses should always be based on who he, who he is and, not, and who we know him to be and not us. Oh, Sarah, it's over to you, lovely. <laughs> cool, so I'm going to look at the second bit of the passage, um, which is verse 14 and 15, so it should be behind me. Um, and we see in this bit that there is another call from the man to wanting to see her face and to hear her voice. And even though they have a relationship, there is a, a call from the man, a desire from the man to, for, her, for him to want to see her, to hear her voice, to, for her to turn around and come out and to um, respond to what his desire is. And we might have a relationship with Jesus, but God has so, so much more for us, so much more for us. There is something so beautiful in the relationship we can have, a depth. He desires to be with us. He is longing. He is beckoning us. He is calling us. And it's, like you said, it's not forceful. It's not a demand. But it's out of a place because he delights in us. He wants to see us. He is inviting us again into deep intimacy. Do we hear that call from him? Are we opening our ears? Are we responding? Are we hearing that call of him wanting to have a relationship, to spend time with him in his presence? And in verse 14, it says, you know, it clearly defines here that um, the response should be about showing our face and letting him hear our voice. Are we showing Jesus all that we are, our hearts, our feelings, our emotions, sharing him and involving him in our lives, not just maybe part of it, but all of it. He wants all of our hearts all of our hearts, all our life. And, um, you know, married to Luke, and we have intimacy in our relationship. And, but that hasn't just happened. That hasn't just come about. But it's because we've made a choice to commit to one another, to spend time with each other, to share our lives together, share our bodies together, talk to each other, get to know each other. Um, I've been able to open myself up to him. So, he, you know, we've been vulnerable with one another. Um, and that has created a depth in our relationship, a closeness that we feel with one another, and a relationship that I'll have with no other person apart from Luke in an earthly sense. But that's because I trust him, I know him, I know that depth in him, and the same, you know, vice versa, it's a mutual thing. And I suppose in all, in all human interactions, in friendships, family, marriage, we, you can know someone, but there's really knowing someone. You know, there's a, there is a difference and, you know, we have, do we have that same approach in our relationship with Jesus? Do we know of him, but do we actually really know him? And that takes time. That, that requires decisions on our part to allow him in, to spend time with him. You know, and we, can, we do have the Holy Spirit. If you're a Christian, we have the Spirit, Holy Spirit living inside of us. And, you know, you might be walking to the tube and praying to God or, you know, might be reading your Bible, but... 
I feel in this passage there's something really, really drawn in, um, drawn from about just actually that quality time spending with Jesus, that time that we put aside of everything else, of all distractions, of all other agendas, and actually just coming to him and saying, here I am, take me, Lord, do what you want with me, here's my heart, I give you my heart, and, um, and then God just wanting and desiring, because he's there, he's offering it to us, he says he's there, he's standing there, he wants us, but there is an, a real active response that needs to be from the woman to actually engage in that relationship, and you know, are we, are we spending time, you know, in his presence? In, in that, it talks in the Bible about that kind of quiet place and that secret place um, where we are, again, you know, taking it all from all distraction, from anything else. Um, you know, if I spent all my time um, at home just watching Netflix and watching TV, um, and yes, I do, I love, I love watching TV, it's where I relax, but if I was doing that and I, you know, I wasn't talking to Luke or spending time with him, then we won't have any understanding of each other. And I think that's what it's talking about here, about, um, you know, Jesus wanting to hear our voice and to really see our face. And um, practically speaking, in, you know, sitting in a room and, and putting that time aside, that might not be the best for you. I mean, I, for me, for example, I love going for a walk and I'm a doer and I, I just... I think and pray through doing and just taking a stroll in like the countryside. I know we live in London and we're, we're an urban city, but actually there is little pockets of places that we can go to. Um, but I suppose my favourite is times where I've just taken a day out, no agenda, taking time off work and just being like, right, I'm going to get out of London, I'm going to go into the countryside and I'm going to walk and just pray and ask God to, to do something in my heart. But there was a practical step to that and a sense of obedience, a sense of responding to God. And honestly, testimony, when I've done those times, I've come away just feeling just like what didn't before that morning and a, a sense of just the Holy Spirit and just plugging into his presence and listening to his voice and allowing my heart just to be free in him. Um, yeah. Sorry, I don't want to rush. <laughs> I think, we, you know, with our relationship with Jesus there, we need to come with him with an openness. And um, sometimes we can maybe not want to come to him because of shame, because of sin, because of the way we feel, because of how things might have gone that week or in our day. We might not even necessarily feel him, but there is... As we continue to come into his presence, just say, God, here I am. He comes to us. It says we draw near to him, he draws near to us. And I just encourage you, I suppose, just to respond to that call. Because as we continue doing that and opening ourselves to him and talking to him fully, and I think there is a difference in, um, you know, when you show, fully show your emotions. It, it talks about here about the clefts, and we can hide ourselves from Jesus. We can hide ourselves and fully who we are, and we need to completely show ourselves to him, because he knows our thoughts. He knows us, but he just desires our heart. Let's not become silent in front of him. And we approach him with confidence because of what he's done. It's not because of us. All those inequities we feel, everything that we come with, it's not about that. 
we can come in confidence. And in Hebrews 4 verse 14, it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. It's because of what Jesus has done and who he is that we can draw near to him. And then in verse 15, it continues to talk about um, how we can protect our relationship. It, um, it talks about um, vineyards, that they're in blossom and they're ready to produce grapes and bear fruit. Um, and then it continues on to say that um, it warns us about foxes that can come into those vineyards and wreck and cause havoc and eat all those grapes. There's a real warning here. And foxes are um, referred to um, as kind of things that could get in the way of our relationship of intimacy um, and therefore not allowing us to produce fruit with, with Jesus in our relationship. I suppose this could be, for example, low thoughts, sin, temptations, desire, focus on something else, distraction, selfishness, jealousy, bitterness, anger. I mean, there's so many things that can get in the way. And actually, our relationships are often destroyed, not so much by big issues, but by the build-up of little ones. As it talks about the little um, foxes, seemingly sometimes insignificant choices and compromises that we can make. And um, Joyce Mayer says this... Um, Watch the little foxes in your life. Forgive even the most minor offence so that your heart stays clean. Do not cut corners in your finances or on the job when you think no one else will notice. Do not expose yourself to ungodly influences, thinking, it won't hurt me if I do it just this once. Little things add up to big things, and before you know it, little foxes can ruin a strong, healthy vine. I think it's really powerful. Um, but whatever that is, I mean, you know. You might not even know. You might need to ask God. Um, you need to be on your guard about it. You need to protect your relationship if you want intimacy, if you want to feel close to, the far, to, to Jesus. And you need to know what invaders you're dealing with. You know, if, I put, um, if there's a vine and I put ant powder down, um, the fox can easily come along and still destroy that. We need to know what we, we need to do to help ourselves, you know, protect our relationships with Jesus. And we can catch them. It says we can catch those foxes. And um, I suppose practically, there is about using our voice to speak it out. It says the truth will set you free. It can bring these things that we struggle with, that we find hard or sin, into the light. It's, talk, it's about confessing to God. It's about talking to someone you can trust and your running partners. In your marriages, are we doing that? That brings accountability that comes and freedom that can really come in our relationship. And even if those things that you might be your weaknesses or things that you might struggle with, you might have not necessarily caused you to sin, it's being aware of those things. Also, I think it's important about talking those things through, praying with God, what is those things that I find hard or that might be a cause for, you know, for harm to come into our relationship with him. Don't let those foxes rob you from all that God has for you in a relationship with him and all that you are in him. Do all that you can. And that often comes with deciding what we set our minds on we have a choice when things can come creep in or what we want to focus on we have a choice to either um come an activist out of that and you know continue in in what our thought pattern is or we can either set our minds on truth read the word you know fix our eyes on jesus and see who he is what does he say about the situation what does he say about who we are um you know for example um insecurities as massive 
you know, a thought can creep in and we can believe that, um, that thought or that false idea about ourselves, when actually that's not what God is saying who we are. And what can that cause is just crippling and a sense of just being restrained. But actually God is wanting to call us out and step us, step us into things. He wants to propel us forward in our relationship with things, but also in just who we are, the giftings that he's given us, who he's made us to be. There was a freedom that, we, that God wants for us, desires for us. He's, he's made us who we are. He's calling us out into that. He is saying, I've made you. This is who you are because of who I am. And I'm drawing you. I, I, want, I want you. I want all that you are. He wants a freedom. I think things can come in so easy that grips us, that um, prevents us from just moving forward in, the, in, in who we are. Does that make sense? In, in, our, um, in our giftings of just a sense of movement. And that's what kind of Luke was talking about, an arising, a sense of sitting from standing and saying, no, I'm going to stand firm. I'm going I'm to decide to believe the truth of what Jesus says, not what the other voices are saying in this world that we can get so easily entangled by. And, and sometimes even thoughts that can come in that we're not even aware of. But if we're not... Um, in the truth, if we're not in the truth, then we don't know if they're truth or not, you see. We, we need to be aware of these things that are going... I mean, I'm just using my mind as, a, as one example, but it's such a powerful thing that we just need to be on our guard about. We need to be aware about. It's so important, because the devil doesn't want to rob that from us. So, as we do this, as we respond in this way, I tell you what, our relationship with Jesus can there'll be such depth, such knowledge of who we are with him, revelation, truth, a feeling of closeness, a feeling of being known by him, a satisfaction that comes, a peace, a fullness that can come in him. It's not about a relationship, but a relationship of intimacy. And that can come of a desire that we want to spend time with Jesus, maybe then rather than we feeling we should, or that, you know, and there is sometimes we need to obey in that, but there is a desire that comes as we get to know who he is, as we fix our eyes on him and see the beauty that he is and we learn about him and it causes us to arise. It, it gives us a sense of, oh God, I just want to follow you. I, that's where I want to be. That is, there's no better place than in, in, in your presence. And it's, you know, we can get, our, we then suddenly f- turn our, our head and our eyes from things that maybe might be a distraction and we fix our eyes on him. Don't you sometimes think that if you're in that place of just in that in that time in his presence that um, what it would look like if you were always there every minute, every day, every month, that we had no other things going on in our minds, no other distractions, that all it was is about him. And it is hard, just acknowledge it is hard to come to that place, but he wants and desires that for us. But imagine what that would look like. Well, that's what we're going to have in heaven, in eternity. We'll come face to face with him. There is going to be a complete fullness and satisfaction we will have in heaven, but on earth, let's desire that here because he has so much more for us. He has new things for us. He wants us to graze and, and see the beauty in, in life and in who we are in him and, and explore that and see that. But unless we choose to enter into that, then we can't. We won't access it. Yeah. I'll finish it off. Yeah. <laughs> kids music has started we're doing that one starting next sunday um as sarah's saying this is yeah it's beautiful that <laughs> i don't know how to fire she's so wonderful um 
it's beautiful that God's, I love it that he's calling us to protect what we have with him. And in verse 16, we see this, my beloved is mine and I am his. We see the bride's response to her beloved. After seeing this call to arise, after seeing this call to let me see your face, hear your voice, she goes, he is mine. He's given himself for me and I'm going to give myself fully to him. She trusts him. She knows that she can do that because she won't be put to shame. In our marriage vows, when we got married, we, and you would have been at lots of weddings, most people would have been at weddings where you hear the bride and groom say, all I have I give to you, all I have I share with you. It's a mutualness of them giving themselves to one another. And that's what we see with Christ in us. He's done a beautiful union for us. He, is, he instigated this relationship that as Christians we can have. He instigated it, not us. How much we think we instigated it, he's already done it. He has instigated and come all this way for us so that we may be drawn into him. And he wants us to give ourselves all of our heart, soul, mind and strength. It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength in the gospel. That's what Jesus said as the primary commandment for us as believers to do. And what I love is as she responds to say, I give my, he has given himself and I will give myself. It then they use this beautiful language of uh, he grazes amongst the lily. Now, we're so used to fast food and deliveroo, but if you watch a cow graze, they'll spend days grazing on the same field. We will off, do you know what I mean? You know when you have those long afternoon lunches where you seem to just graze from about 12 o'clock through till 8? It takes ages, doesn't it? But if you go to McDonald's, you're done in five minutes. Even Nando's, you're done in 10 minutes now. It's that thing of that God wants to graze with us. He wants to spend time with us. He wants to be with us. So after he, he's come all this way, he's asked us to respond. And he says, I'm going to be with you for ages. Christ longs for time with us. As Sarah was saying, we've got to protect that time. We've got to put that time aside. I know for me, I had, I had just this revelation a few weeks ago that, do you know I mean, I was getting good time reading my Bible, but I was reading it on the tube and I was walking to work and I was praying lots. I was just getting really bogged down in work. And I felt just kind of go, well, just draw near. I spent a couple of evenings then just drawing near. My whole perspective on my work situation changed because I was able to just to see, oh, it's not about this. It's about who he is. I'm ultimately serving him. And it was just so beneficial because I took the time to put it aside and he just grazed. I played my guitar and I just sung and I drew near to him. It was beautiful. There's a wonderful mutualness that as God has come to us, he wants us to draw near and then it becomes this beautiful secular thing where we're sort of going round and round, giving ourselves to one another. And then verse 17 is a little... It's a bit strange in terms of what it's saying, but just been reading a few commentaries around it about what it might say. So it talks about, until the day breathes and the shadows flee, turn my beloved. And this is the, the, the bride speaking. And it's, the, the commentaries often seem to say that little, like, kind of, this is a bit of a time leap. So she's done her response, I am his, he, he, he is mine and I am his. And then this is an element of, she's now experienced him, him being away. And this might be the period that we're in, where we're waiting for Jesus to return. This season where it does feel like darkness, it's harking back to that, the shadows fleeing, it's harking back to that winter and coming into spring. And because she's experienced this intimacy, she's now saying, turn, come back. Whereas at the start of the passage, he came bounding towards her and he has to say, arise. She now beautifully is saying, turn, Jesus. We, now it's our call to go, Jesus, we long for your return. We, we pray for that. We pray for Jesus to return, heaven, heaven to come down. We pray, Jesus told us, pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven that's what we pray we pray that our prayer meetings we pray that in every prayer meeting we're part of and we should be praying that our days hey jesus return because that's what she's doing she's got a revelation of who he is and understands and wants that longing we can see that her posture has changed we talked about the arising her posture has changed her attitude to who he is has changed 
And now she's longing for what we read about now in Scripture in Revelation 21, where it says there will be a day when Jesus returns for his bride, us, the church, and there will be no more death. There will be no more pain. There will be no more crying. There will be no more tears, no more sickness. You name it, it will be perfect because that's when Jesus returns. And that's what she's longing for. And that's what's in store for us as believers, as followers of Jesus. As we acknowledge what Christ has done for us, accept that love and step out into it and give ourselves to him. We know that we're looking forward to the day that he returns, that we know that there might be seasons where it's tough and it's dark and we need to protect our relationship for him because it's going to be so beautiful when he returns. And as I said, our sermon was called God Calls. What's our response? And this is our question. I mean, we've just unpacked a bit of scripture, but God is calling to arise, to show his face, to show your face, to show your just hear your voice. He wants to, to protect your relationship with him. What will your response be to that? If you're a believer here, there's lots we can apply in terms of protecting our relationship and speaking and being intimate with him. If you don't know Jesus, there's a call that God would say, come, arise. What, even though your life may seem so good, it's going to be so unfulfilling in comparison to a life with me and an eternity with me. Come out of winter and into spring. I want to see your face. I want to be close with you. I want to have a relationship with you. Because one day when Jesus returns, we will be in that place where there will be no more winter, where winter will pass, the darkness will flee, where it will be in perfect union with him. And it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be truly beautiful. We're going to, as we and Sarah have been preparing, we just feel the Lord's been highlighting some stuff that we might go into. I'm sure for those of you who hear God's voice, there might be some stuff that you want to highlight. But we just wanted to respond in song. Um, so if the band could come up, that'd be great. Um, this is a song, this is a bit of a, for those of you who've been in Christian circles, this is a bit of a golden oldie. But it's just a beautiful, I'd love us, if you're feeling that call to God, I want to respond to you, I want to draw near to you. I want to show my face, I want, to, I want you to hear my voice, I want to protect my relationship with you. Let's use this song as a, as a response to that. It's a beautiful prayer and then we'll lead us through. We've got time, so don't, let's not do communion now. Let's just respond um, as one voice and use this as a prayer and then will help lead us through and rich will help us um but yeah let's respond as a song we've got this space down the front if you want to come um and be close but yeah the band are going to help us let me pray and then we'll sing lord i thank you for what you've done for us i thank you lord that you gave your son for us he's overcome the mountains of sin and death for us and then beckons us into relationship with him and then draws us, says, I want to see your face. I want to see your voice. He wants us to be intimate. And he calls us to protect, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to protect what we have with you. Lord, we don't want to let anything spoil or come in our way of our relationship with you. Because we realize how much you have done for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are with us. I thank you, Lord, that now as we draw near to you, you promise to draw near to us. That's what you say in your word. We love you, Lord. I know for myself, I long to be in relationship with you, to be close, to know you better than I know anybody on this earth because of what you've done for us. Amen. Amen. If you want to stand to sing and come and use the space, feel free to.